Good evening once again. I forgot to mention at the start of the service, my name's Tom and I'm Minister in Training here at Federalty Baptist Church. Now, I think most of you know that, but it's actually always good to introduce yourself when you're, when you're speaking to, um, to new people or to any people. When we pray, we don't do that, do we? When we pray, we kind of ignore the fact that there are, there are over 7 billion people in the world and that we just start talking to God with no attempt to identify which one of those 7 billion people we are. We don't give name and address or, or date of birth or anything like that. We don't, we don't clarify. We just assume that God recognises our voice and knows who we are. We just assume God knows us. Because we're always told, aren't we, that, that God does know us. God knows us each individually. God recognises us. God, God loves us. God chose us. God created and designed us. In a world that's obsessed by image, that's, that's quite a good thing to know. Makes us feel good, doesn't it? Some of us, at least. Yeah, great. Sometimes it's good to be anonymous, though. For instance, I was very, very, very pleased to remain anonymous. I'm about to tell the story now, so the anonymity will disappear slightly. About ten years ago, I was walking home from work through Lake Meadows, and um, there was uh, three little boys, primary school age, and a mum with a toddler in a pushchair. And the little boys were standing under a tree. I could see them as I was making my way across the park. And they had a tennis ball, and they were throwing a tennis ball up into the tree. It was disappearing up into the, the foliage, and then it was coming back down eventually. And they were doing this time and time again. And when I eventually got to um, the, the, the path near where the tree was, the mum said, excuse me, I don't suppose you can help at all. And she went on to explain that there was a football stuck in the tree. And that one of these little lads, it was his birthday, he'd got the football for his birthday, and, um, and he, they'd just come over the park after two minutes, been booted up into the tree, and ever since they've been trying to knock it down with the only missile they had, this tennis ball. And eventually, sure enough, the tennis ball got lodged somewhere in a tree. And Anyway, she said, can you help at all? And I was ten years younger then, you know. I'm not sure I'd have the same response now, if I'm completely honest. I'd like to think I would, but um, I thought, yeah... I can help. Of course I can. Says something noble about helping a, a, a small children and this lady with a, with a pushchair. I thought, yeah, I, I can do this. So I, I hung my bag on, on, a, on a notch on the, um, on the tree. I reached up for the first branch, jumped up, pulled myself up, and I started to climb a tree. I hadn't done that since I was myself a primary age child. Um, I started climbing up this tree. And I got about two-thirds of the way up. It's quite high. And I got to the branch where this ball was, and I sort of started to make my way across a bit gingerly because, you know, I'm, I had less timber than I've got now, but I still wasn't entirely sure that I was safe up there. And I began to sort of shake the tree a bit and shake it, and I could see this ball. I could see it just beginning to move. And I was like, a bit more violent. And eventually, eventually, this ball falls out of the tree. It goes, donk, 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 onto the ground. And I hear this voice from somewhere down through the leaf shout, Thanks, mister! And then I suddenly become aware that the three boys are straight off kicking the ball across the park and the mum is sort of pushing the chair, George, come... I don't know if it wasn't George, but come back. And I hear the voices getting further away and I'm kind of thinking, well, getting up here wasn't too bad, but suddenly getting down doesn't seem quite so straightforward. So I'm standing there, suit, collar and tie, my bag hanging up neatly just below me, up this tree thinking, all right, I've got to get down now. And that was, that was all right. I was thinking, yeah, I can, I've just got to work out how. It'll be fine. 
And then I become aware of this elderly lady coming along with her little Yorkshire Terrier. And I kind of, I, th- I just became aware of how stupid I looked, how, how bizarre this scene must look. This grown man in collar and tie standing in a tree with no one else around. I thought, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stand still. I'm just going to let her go past. I'm not going to worry her or start, and I'm not going to suddenly climb down and, you know, I'm just going to stay put. And so I did. Unfortunately, just as she was passing me, a, the, the, the Yorkshire Terrier had been snuffling around and seemed oblivious to me, but suddenly this squirrel ran across the path. The Yorkshire Terrier goes ballistic, as Yorkshire Terriers do, and chases the squirrel. The squirrel comes up my tree. <laughs> it comes running up, because the Yorkshire Terrier... <laughs> at the bottom. The Yorkshire Terrier... Sorry, <laughs> the Yorkshire Terrier stayed on the floor. The squirrel came running up the tree, and it got, it got sort of where I was, and I'd never seen a squirrel do a double take, but I'm pretty sure... <laughs> Honestly, I'm pretty sure he stopped and rubbed his little squirrel in the eyes, thinking, what, what was in that last acorn that I ate? Because I'm seeing things. So he turned around, he ran off down the other way, and of course the squirrel's gone. But of course the dog's yapping, and this lady suddenly looks over at the tree, and you can see her eyes go, see my bag? And she just stopped, which is pretty understandable, really. And she just stared, and I'm sort of... I, uh, <laughs> what, what do you say in that sort of situation? And she just sort of looked aghast. And then, understandably again, quite quickly, started making her way away from my tree. And I managed to clamber down. But boy, did I feel stupid. When I started climbing that tree, I felt quite noble. I felt quite heroic almost. You know, I was an insurance broker at the time. You don't, don't have much heroism in your life. Um, but you see, I, I, I thought I was doing a good thing. And then very quickly the situation changed and I realised that I looked absolutely stupid. And this woman must have thought, this guy's a nutcase. What on earth, what on earth is he doing? I I felt about that big and I clambered down from the tree and managed to get my bag and I walked home and I didn't share my story of heroism with Joe because I felt felt about that big. I felt very, very silly. You see, sometimes it's good to be anonymous. However... These opportunities, these occasions when it's good to feel anonymous are becoming rarer and rarer. We live in a world, in 2016, we took, or rather we we uploaded just to Google, this is only Google statistics, 24 billion selfies. That's in 2016, that's in one year. Since then, selfies and everything have become even more popular. So I dread to think what the number is in 2018. Sites like Instagram, Facebook, other, other social media sharing sites, measuring the number of likes that you have. People put a photo on and watch the likes increase. And apparently, there was an article on the BBC website, I don't know if anybody read it this week, there was a lady, who, a, a lady journalist who, um, who decided she would wear the Instagram face. Anybody heard of that? Yeah? Um, basically, it's, it's, it's the... the most attractive face you could have. It takes, it takes incredible numbers of makeup product, products, um, contouring clay and stuff that sounds like it should only be available in a builder's merchant. Um, you, 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 you can remould the contours of your nose and your, your, your cheekbones and you can, in, you can correct imperfections and all these things you can do to your face and then you can go, take a selfie. 
and upload it and watch the likes increase and increase and increase and increase. I've not done this. <laughs> but according to this article, we get a feel-good factor from this. We are wired to have a neurochemical called, called, um, called dopamine released into our bodies when we see those likes, because people are saying, I like how you look. And that's why there's this, this desire to improve the way we look, to, to conform to what we are told is, is beauty. Apparently 30% of pictures taken by 18 to 24-year-olds in 2016 were selfies. 30%. I don't know about you, but when you go on holiday, I, don't, I, I can take a picture of this any time. And to be honest, I'd rather not. When I go on holiday, I don't want to take photos of me in all the time. I want to take photos of the views of other things, of, of my wife and my child, and, and things that are far, far more beautiful than I am. It's not difficult to find them, after all. But we are obsessed with our own self-image. But of course, you could say there's nothing wrong with that. It's good that we're proud of the way that we look. It's good that we should be looking to present ourselves to the world in the best possible light, that we should be looking to, to please our, our partners and to look good. But, of course, there is a flip side. There is a flip side to this desire to be looking like this image of beauty that we, we perceive as being, as being absolute. And the flip side is that it's unachievable. The flip side is that we always have this insecurity that we know that underneath the moisturiser and the makeup and the eyeliner and... I appreciate that some of you will be sitting there thinking, yeah, but that's all about women, though, isn't it? But no, men do this more and more and more. Guy liner. Anybody heard of that? Yeah. You see, blokes wearing makeup. It's becoming more and more common. Some of you might be tonight. Have a look over tea afterwards. <laughs> I'm not, by the way. I left it out tonight. But you see, we're becoming more and more vain. We're becoming less and less satisfied with the way that we look naturally. The, the journalist who wrote this article this week, she said, she said that at the end of the week, she was exhausted with having to constantly be checking her image, checking to make sure that she was conforming to the, the image that the Instagram faced, this, this, this portrayal of beauty. As Christians... What do we think of as beauty? When we imagine something that's beautiful in the eyes of God, what do we think of? Well, of course, there's creation. There's the, the image of, of Eden, the perfect creation that God made. We think of the mountains, the rivers, the streams, the waterfalls. We think of the skies, the stars, the moon. We think of the country, countryside, we think of blue skies, sunshine. We think of animals, we think of, of fish, we think of some of the sort of David Attenborough documentaries that show us these incredible creatures that exist that we weren't even aware of in places in our world. In Psalm 8, the psalmist says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings 
and crowned him with glory and honour. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You see, according to the psalmist there, we, you and I, are made in the image of God, just a little lower than the heavenly beings. We have this tendency, don't we, when when we make a mistake, well, well, I'm only human. Actually, I'll tell you what, we should be flipping that around. As, As Christians, our mindset, when we achieve something brilliant, yeah, well, I'm human. Because that means that we are God's creation. We are the ones that God created to be just a little bit lower than heavenly beings. We are so close to that majesty. We have so much potential in us, each and every one of us. We don't need to look at ourselves and and feel dissatisfied with the way that we look. We need to look at ourselves and say, I'm just a little bit lower than a heavenly being. When God looks at us, he sees something close to perfection, close to beauty. Satan encourages us to beat ourselves up about our sin rather than focus on how close we are to that beautiful perfection that God has in store for us. When we look at ourselves, Satan loves us to focus on the blotches and the wrinkles and the spots rather than the underlying glow in the eyes and the beauty that sits within. Satan loves us to despise God's creation And that means despising ourselves. You see, when Paul was writing his letters to the Romans, he spends the first 11 chapters going into the deep theology, explaining explaining the background of the Christian faith. 11 chapters. It's all quite heavy and it's all quite deep. And then suddenly he breaks off towards the end of chapter 11 in verse 33. And he just falls into worship. He just falls into this, 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 this verses of adoration and praise. He says, oh, the depth of the riches, of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Isn't that just amazing? When we stop, when we put all the the theology, when we put the the unanswerable questions, we put these things that we wrestle with to one side and accept for one minute that we're not quite as perfect as heavenly beings, that we are not quite there, but we're not far off. And look at what a heavenly being is. Look at what God is. The depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge I don't know about you, but I give thanks 
for the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of countless Christians that I have turned to over the years for advice and support and guidance in my life. They're not perfect. They're not God. But they were created just a little bit lower. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. When we see God's justice being administered, when we feel in our lives we've let ourselves down, we've let God down, we've done something or said something or, or made a decision that hasn't pleased him. We can never come back and say, oh yeah, but God, what about the time that you did that? It doesn't work like that, does it? Instead, we have to humbly accept that in the eyes of a perfect God, we are not perfect, but we're just a little bit lower. We are beautiful. We are made in, a, in, in the perfect image of God. We are so close to perfection. And yet we live in a world where more and more people are not satisfied with who they are, with what they are, with how they look. Dissatisfaction is rife. Even in churches, we, we have this all the time. We, 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 we can't help it, can we? I will, I will get home tonight and I'll be kicking myself because I will suddenly remember something I meant to say in my sermon, a really good point that, 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 that on which the crux of the sermon was balanced and I will have forgotten it. I will be kicking myself for the next two or three days because, do you know what? Every time I preach, it happens. And I know I'm not alone in that. Why? Because I focus on my imperfections rather than stopping and saying, yeah, but that's so small compared to the, the, the beauty that God has given me. It may not be manifested physically, but God looks at us and he knows that our bodies will rot away one day. We'll go through the incinerator. But he knows that our souls where the true measure of beauty lies. Our souls. And the lives that we live on, on earth is the outward manifestation of what's in our soul. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? But of course, God created everything we cannot give to God anything that he hasn't created himself. Everything that we have is actually God's. We just kind of borrow it temporarily for a little while and then it gets returned. For from him and through him and to him are all things. And there is the psalmist saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honour. When you get home tonight, or maybe in the next few days, please take the time to read that doxology in Romans 11, those verses. And as you read it, just remind yourself that you were made just a little lower than that. We'll get things wrong, we'll make mistakes. We'll do things in life we look back on and bitterly regret. But let's not focus on our imperfections. God is a great, great God. God is perfect. God forgives us 
whenever we repent of what we've done wrong, whenever we bring our imperfections before him, and the day will come, the day will come, when once again we are made perfect to come into his presence and to live there for eternity. So hopefully this week you won't find yourself stuck up a tree or in any other ridiculous situation. But you probably will find yourself in a situation this week where you're challenged and where faith is perhaps, the faith option is perhaps not the easiest option to take, where perhaps you're stuck between conforming to the ways of the world and conforming to the ways of God. It happens. Let's just try to remember. We are made. We are made just a little lower than heavenly beings. We don't get it right all the time, but I tell you what, we're not bad. We're not bad. As we praise and worship our God, He looks down on us and he says, keep going. You're so close. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. This week, celebrate the fact that you are made. You are crowned with honour and glory from God himself. That you are made just a little lower than those heavenly beings. You're not far off. We are not consumed by sin. We are not consumed by darkness and evil. Instead, the light shines on us. The world looks on us. And rather than obsessing with selfies and reflecting glory onto ourselves, let's make sure that we are simply reflecting glory onto God and directing people to him for now and forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks that we are made in your image. Father, we give thanks that you have put so much potential inside each and every one of us to do so much good in the world, to change lives, to to influence other people, to bring people to you. Father, we give thanks that you've done that for everybody that we will meet this week. Each and every person in this town, in this country, in this world has the potential And yet so many will never realise that potential. Father, please help us this week to share faith. Not necessarily through an attempt to convince somebody verbally, but instead through our actions, through living a life, through choosing wisely when we're faced with a choice through taking opportunities that present themselves to us. And help us to remember, Lord, that no matter how many people might dislike the way that we look or the way that we think or the way that the places we put our our faith and our beliefs, Lord, we could have seven billion dislikes on any social media platform in the world, but if you, if you like what we are, That's all that matters. Father, thank you for what we are, for who we are, for the way that you made us. And help us to reflect your glory in our countenance this week. In Jesus' name.
Amen.